John, are you trying to tell us something? Yes, I want Greg to die. <laughs> so, he's actively giving me cancer. Yeah. <laughs> Butt cancer. Butt cancer? Butt cancer. Yeah, this, I keep putting my finger in there. That's what I'm doing. That I'm is little... supposedly a pretty rough cancer. Yeah. Not that all, any of them are going to be, but... Because John's finger has to go in your butt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, 99% of butt cancer is caused by my finger. I think most people die from butt cancer because they're too ashamed to go to the doctor with symptoms because they'll be like, was John putting his finger in your butt? <laughs> Here's the thing. I was over at John's apartment and I slipped and I landed right on his finger. <laughs> and now I've got butt cancer. Million to one shot, Doc. Million to one. <laughs> and then I got up and I fell on it again. <laughs> History Defeats Itself is a comedy podcast. Kevin, John, and Greg are not experts, historians, or even all that smart. Hello, my friends. Welcome to History Defeats Itself, part of the Sonar Network of Podcasts. My name is Kevin Rosenquist. Thank you for spending your time with us. History Defeats Itself is a comedy podcast that wonders if we, as people, learn from the past or if we simply repeat and defeat ourselves. As always, I am joined by my co-hosts out there in Los Angeles, California, John Banks, Greg Mitchell. How's it going, gentlemen? I'm doing really well, but it just dawned on me that we didn't have our pre-gamer. Damn it, we keep doing that. All right, let's do yeah. it. Let's Cheers. have our shots. Johnny baby. I mean, there. Oh, good Eek. Lord. Look, I am. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you why I'm drinking water there, Kevin. Because okay. ever since COVID, I am always fucking exhausted yeah i wake up exhausted i go like all day i'm exhausted i get home I'm yeah exhausted. have you, you never have you never heard the term wake up shot <laughs> <laughs> i think that's called a dui shot uh, i don't think so I, I i drink my way right through the exhaustion at least that way i feel like i have a reason for it <laughs> yeah i agree i agree i think i think you just i think you just got to drink i think you just got to drink you got to build your tolerance back up that's true it is very low now it's kind of weird having a shot of bourbon, too. It's, yeah, it should be a sipper, but... I don't mind a shot of bourbon. I had a Nine Banded. I never heard of Nine Banded. Is it good? It's from Austin. Nice. It's from the makers of Eight Bandit. And they went one more? Yeah. Yeah, it's delicious. It was fucking smooth. I didn't even go, oh. Well, good. I'm glad. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm good. Got some family yeah. coming in town this weekend. See meet to meet Elwood. Okay. And who is Elwood? Elwood is my son. Hmm. What's a son? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> Are you with child? <laughs> Am I with child? <laughs> I don't know. Am I pregnant? Maybe. No, I'm asking. Is that what you're saying? You think I'm pregnant? No. no. I mean, well, no, obviously, obviously not. You are too thin to be pregnant. Look, man. All right. After my snowboarding accident, I couldn't do much working out, but I still drank the same amount. All right. So I got a little bit of a poosh belly. Yeah, but some of the bourbon just leaked out of the hole in his chest. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't really get, ever get drunk. Yeah. I actually would just pour, I would just pour booze into the hole in my chest. It was a lot easier. Just get it right to the source. You're like one of those commercials where people like get that neck, neck hole from smoking smoke cigarettes. Through it. And, you're like, <gasps> and you were just drinking through your, you were drinking through your kidney hole or your liver hole. My liver hole? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think you understand what my injury was. <laughs> I don't think you understand what lungs do. <laughs> I, you're right. I don't know anything. I'm not a doctor. You drink the alcohol and then it filters through your lungs. <laughs> guys, guys, I'm, pee a, it out. I'm a cardiologist. That's not right. Not a pulmonist, pulmonarist. Uh-huh. A special thanks to Reese and Jesse of the podcast Canadian Politics is Boring for joining us last episode. 
That was a blast. I hope everyone out there enjoyed that episode as much as we did. That was a lot I of do fun. feel like we got kind of duped because we were promised two Canadians and we ended up with one guy from Wales and one Canadian. And he's barely even Canadian. He's from like fucking Newfoundland or something like that. that doesn't and doesn't count. really know anything about Canada. So I'm not yeah. convinced that he's actually from Canada. Do you think he's like a sleeper agent and he oh. just did a really shitty job learning about the country he was in? Probably. And then just but ended had- up becoming a podcaster? That's a very weird narrative. He <laughs> did have good hair, so I he think did. it holds. He did have solid yep. hair. Holds up. He yeah. had he had very Russian hair. I think you know what I'm saying. Uh, okay. Well, he was wearing a Nike sweat tracksuit. <laughs> <laughs> <too. laughs> and he drank, drank a large amount of vodka. He kept calling it DiSerono, but it was vodka. <laughs> it was Stoli. On each episode... Of History Defeats Itself, one of us will pick the topic and do the research, while the other two don't do anything at all. They don't even know what we're going to talk about until it's revealed here during our recording session. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and remember to join our Facebook group, History Defeats Itself Interactive. And if you guys are ready, I'm ready to hand the floor over to Greg, because it's Greg's turn this episode. It's my turn, and the reason why it's my turn is because I was supposed to go to Vegas to watch the Canadians play against the Knights, and then I couldn't go, and I told Kevin I was going to go, and he's like, I don't want to record a day earlier. I got to do research and stuff. So tonight's episode is Kevin being a douchebag. <laughs> All right, John. Wait, that's the, that's the topic? <laughs> yeah, you guys ready? Well, I, don't th- I don't feel like that's fair because I think we both have a lot of stories about that. So, so it's not like you got blindsided by this yeah. one? Yeah. yeah. And I don't I've think been doing Kevin that research for the last 10 years. So. Kevin knows he's a douchebag, so that's not a surprise. No, I got stories too. this one time i was in this bar and i was a total dick so when john when john uh and i start off fighting it means we're actually going to bond in the show life is a huge pain in the ass it feels like we spend so much time reliving in the past or fretting about the future all in an attempt to balance our emotional well-being we have many challenges that can attack from all sides rent mortgages jobs relationships car insurance all competing for our focus and attention. Some days, it seems as though you can handle anything that comes your way, while Pot on cancer. other days, can co- anything can cause you to lose your shit. I've always thought it interesting, the inconsistency of my response to obstacles. Thus, the topic that I picked for this episode of HDI will be talking about stress and what it does to us physiologically and psychologically as well as coping mechanisms that we employ to make it all feel better. Oh, this is great. I'm I'm very stressed lately. Now you're going to just... I I do this podcast to forget about my stress, and now you want to talk about my stress. We're we're not talking about my stress, so let's talk about Kevin's stress. (laughs) That would be less stressful for me. I actually don't give a shit about either one of your stresses. (laughs) (laughs) You said this was going to be very conversational. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, the conversation is going to be about your stresses. Well, we talk about yeah, your anxiety. We talk about your fears. We talk about your issues with weather. And now we're going to talk about your stress. You guys don't realize that you're both the source of my stress. <laughs> you don't get that. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I see you once every two weeks. How's that possible? That's too much. Uh, uh, just 
as a weird kind of coincidence, my next paragraph reads as the following. Before you assholes roll your eyes because I have picked another topic related to mental health. Fuck you. I find it fascinating, much like John finds taxes and state parks fascinating. So unless you guys want to chime in on some personal stress stories, we can get going. Do you guys want to chime in on some personal stress stories? So, well, here's the question. I, I mean, and, and I really am sincere in this. Why must you point out the two topics that I did and maybe not one of me and one of Kevin? Because, you know, <laughs> Kevin's haven't all been winners. So I just feel... I don't know about that. That's a little Because I, like I like you more than Kevin. So I was talking about your topics as opposed to the completely forgettable topics that Kevin talks about. Like guns. Yeah. Because totally I, like, I feel like there's a lot of that. people still talk about that tax episode. I guess that's. Yeah, it's, I guess it's, it's a hot topic. To, yeah, guns are related to stress, so maybe that was too on the nose. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> do you guys have anything you want to say about? Like, do you have any fun, stressy stories, or or how you deal with stress, handle stress, or things that really trigger you? I uh, I actually have uh, acid reflux, and every my my dad and my brother both have it too. My brother has it very badly, and. I think for him it's related somewhat to stress and somewhat to food, but I, I get really bad bouts of acid reflux when I'm super stressed, but not really even recognizing the fact that I'm super stressed. And it's an interesting thing because I'll get times where I'm just like, I'm just in pain all the time, all the time. And then I have to actually sit down and go, Oh my God. Like, like, but like before my wedding, because, because we planned the, Sheen and I planned pretty much the entire wedding. So we were, I was super stressed at that time, but I wasn't recognizing that that was why I was feeling the way that I was feeling. Well, so I'm stressed about marrying Sheena, you know, Jennifer and I no. could have married her. Yeah, no, that's, that wasn't the issue. Um, oh. but, but I think for me, I internalize stress. I, it rarely comes out in like most people d- wouldn't know that I'm stressed. I'm not someone at work who th- throws, throws, you know, papers or slams a desk or gets pissed off or anything like that. I internalize a lot and it probably to some degree to my detriment as far as my, my stomach is concerned. I kind of get myself in, I I make myself sick kind of. That makes a lot of sense. I'm glad you're, you kind of touched on both the physiological and psychological aspects of your stretch stress. So that's, uh, that's going to play really well into the information I have. Oh, good. I'm glad we get to talk about this. Thank you, Kevin. Sure. Anything to help. You're you're welcome. (laughs) John, anything? Um, bad chair. I I, uh, I don't actually experience stress. I don't know. I've I've never experienced stress. So I don't really know what you're talking about. So <laughs> you're like, can you spell it for me? No, wait, that's not going to help. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can you use it in a sentence? Is, is there a silent P in that word by chance? Um, I um, are you I'm talking about like... strep throat by any chance? Because that I've had. <laughs> right, uh, and that's all you need is antibiotics. It's fine. I uh, I definitely uh, am I'm like Kevin. I don't experience acid reflux because of my stress. But what I like to do is be like, no, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Go to sleep. Two o'clock in the morning, wake up in a full blown panic attack. <laughs> and wake up to sleep until five a.m. And you know, so that's that's, that's how I like scary. to deal with stress. Yeah, isn't it awful too? Because like you you wake up and if you're stressed about work or you're stressed about something and you wake up at that two in the morning and you're laying there thinking about it and you're just like dude you try to talk to yourself and you're like there's nothing you can do about this now it's two right. in the fucking morning it's <laughs> right. not like you can handle anything that's going going to happen tomorrow just go to sleep doesn't work doesn't no. work yeah your your 2 a.m brain is a fucking asshole right yeah, yeah. it really is it really yeah. is i hate it it 
it's just it brings up the fact that hey you remember when you pissed your pants in school you're like stop my brain i was getting over that <laughs> that sounds more like the anxiety episode than stress that's still, like, that was 32 years ago unresolved, it, that's the unresolved issues episode <laughs> but no like I, I really will like i will wake up in the middle of a panic attack which is a terrible, which is a, just a horrible feeling, and I don't know. Like I've tried meditation, I've tried, I've tried heavy, heavy, heavy narcotics. <laughs> I've tried drinking myself to sleep. I've tried just fucking smoking, you know, all the pot I can smoke. None I recommend bath salts. I don't think you've gone far enough. Well, <laughs> yeah, you know what? Hold on, I'll be right back. Maybe, maybe sleep on some lavender scented pillows. <laughs> you know, that actually does help. But, uh, I mean, at least it helps me go to sleep. And then when I wake up at a full panic attack, I'm like, oh, my God, life is so, oh, that's so, no, oh, God. I'm so stressed out, but my pillow smells amazing. <laughs> you guys, I, John's reminding me of a panic attack I had recently. <laughs> so you <laughs> guys both have legit panic attacks? Yeah. Yeah. So listen yeah. to this shit. So I'm sleeping, and I have this dream that Jennifer has This is the one legs. where you're performing cunnilingus? Yeah. No. No, that one was a fun one, but it was just... I should have used like Egyptian sheets instead of like <laughs> some fucking Walmart three dollar sheets that like cut up my tongue. So anyway, <laughs> I'm I have this dream, and Jennifer's got me in this hold where she's got like her legs wrapped around me and squeezing my chest with them, and I'm like, stop it, it fucking hurts, stop. <laughs> and she's squeezing tighter and tighter. This is not a sex dream; it's like a murder dream, <laughs> and, and and it's harder. Sounds like both to me. <laughs> and I and I couldn't get her. No matter what I tried, I couldn't even breathe enough to tell her to stop. Right? It was like I was out of breath. I woke up just in the middle because one of my symptoms for panic attacks is chest pain. So I must have been having the panic attack while I was sleeping, and then it manifested into Jennifer doing a figure four leg lock on me. <laughs> <laughs> I I swear to God, I have the same dream except for instead of her like having her legs wrapped around me, choking the life out of me, I'm being attacked by a cheetah. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know what? In both dreams, I'm I'm masturbating in the corner. <laughs> Uncanny that we have the same dream. <laughs> Am I jerking off in the corner? <laughs> yeah, like, which is know. weird because you're just like, get him, cheetah, get him, cheetah. <laughs> Okay, good. Uh, should I move on? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I haven't really started yet. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm interested to really dive into this cheetah dream. <laughs> Is that not what we're doing this episode? I mean, we can flip. We can totally flip it and do this. Yeah. Is that Greg? In my dream, Greg can't climax until a cheetah paralyzes me so that it can eat me alive. <laughs> that, that's the crescendo. Until he hears your neck break, he can't yeah. come. Everybody knows that I don't come until you die. <laughs> no, no, I'm alive. I just can't feel my body being eaten alive. So. <laughs> Is it because of the jizz? No, because I'm of the confused. cheetah. You're paralyzing me. Are you not? You know what? I feel like you don't even listen to me. I'm not listening to you. He's just watching you get maimed. He doesn't care what's happening. I'm trying to get off, man. All right, let's let's dive into a bit of background and history on, on stress. The use of the term stress is now so integrated into our thoughts that it sometimes feels like uh, it's always been there. In fact, stress, as we currently think of it, is a relatively new concept and is one that continues to evolve. Evolve, not evolved. Man, I've had a, I had too much alcohol before we started. 
in the 14th century, we would most likely... I'm going to go back a second. <laughs> Seriously, I just want you to know, I don't know what was in that shot. Do you want to go back before the 14th century? <laughs> was it early <laughs> enough for you? We're going to start completely no, I over. Mean, the beginning of this sentence. The year was one. God damn it, you're making it funny. Now we're going to have to keep all my fuck-ups in. In the 14th century, we would most certainly have used the term stress, but it would have had very little to do with our psychological state except perhaps by implication. Stress had more to do with adversity, hardship, or some form of affliction. So we didn't really consider stress to be like an emotional, like right now, the way we are in our society, we're all very cognizant and aware of, of how we feel about everything. This mm-hmm. didn't have so much to do with feelings as it had to do with like kind of an animalistic stress, like avoiding stress like a deer would a uh, fucking saber-toothed tiger drawn's. John's dreams or something like that or leopard. Cheetah. Now I kind of though wish it was a saber toothed tiger. That would actually have been a way better story, John. You gotta, we gotta retell it. Let's start over. It was not until the 18th and 19th century that a shift in meaning started to occur. As the sciences developed, language adapted in order to both accommodate and articulate these changes. The physical sciences most notably engineering, began to use terms like stress, strain, resilience, pressure, and elasticity to describe the effects of materials. Nearly everyone will recognize these as expressions commonly used within medicine and psychology. Still others, like snapping or breaking point, tend not to be used within the profession these days, but they retain a position in everyday language relating to emotions or behaviors, right? Like how often do you hear people are like at their breaking point or, or about to snap? But it's, it's, it's kind of funny that like those descriptors were used in, in other areas of, of like engineering and stuff like that. So the adoption of the, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's fucking interesting. We fucking, we co-opted. Engineering and building and physical uh, sciences. Uh, no. It was just, it was just kind of like you were just like, you're like, you're like, but 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 because the way you like, you just weren't confident what you were saying. So you're like, I don't. It was, and then huh. <laughs> so that yeah, was just fun. That was fun for me. That's pretty much the way I do these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> cra- cra- crash and burn. The adoption of the term stress as a, psychologi- com- as a psychological concept is frequently attributed to Hans Zillier. Yeah, I, lo- I love Hans. Yeah. Hans is a good guy. Of Zillier, all the Zilliers, he's the best. We're well, having beers tomorrow night. <laughs> well, he was alive a long time ago, so he's probably dead. But you can probably drink out of his skull or something if you want to. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> can I really? <laughs> Sounds really awesome. Like <laughs> Zillier had added to the developing idea but stressed by putting forward a three-stage process known as general adaption syndrome, otherwise known as gas. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) We'll get into details. Zillier stated that in response to some external stressor, we first react by mobilizing our physical resources to deal with or escape from the stressor. Zillier called this the alarm stage. The second stage, called resistance, involves attempts to adapt to or cope with external stressor. Can we go back Third. to the, the first stage? Or okay, are we going to go sure. through these? Yeah, no, we're going to go. We're going to get into detail on, on those in just a moment. Okay. Thirdly, the stage of exhaustion occurs if an individual is repeatedly exposed to the stressor and is unable to escape or cope 
As historians of psychology would be quick to point out, Zillier actively avoided using the term stress until 1946. In terms of accuracy, it was Walter Cannon who actually developed the term stress in his work relating to the fight or flight response, and that was back in 1915. Today, the term stress can be used in different ways and for different purposes. If someone says that they're under stress, we all know what they mean, and in a sense, we have come to view stress as a negative experience. Psychologists also distinguish between stress that is harmful, distress, and stress that's positive, use stress. In research terms, stress now embraces biochemical, behavioral, physiological, and psychological effects. Do you guys respond well? Because, you know, they say stress can be negative or positive. Do you, do you find yourselves ever in situations where stress has been a positive? Um, I suppose I can, I sometimes can really buckle down and work hard if I'm stressed. Not that I'm, I, I, I'm a, I'm a hard worker by nature, I feel like, but I, if, if things are stressful, I mean, a good example is right now things are insanely stressful at work because we're, we're busier than we've ever been and we lost an employee. So things are just crazy right now. But man, is it I am, crazy because you guys are looking for that employee? Well, it's crazy because well, we, we found somebody. Uh, oh, oh and it wasn't him. <laughs> sorry, but he looked sorry. just like him, and you're like, okay, we'll bring him in anyway. I get it. Then I get we it. Now, even yeah. more they, uh, no, we we uh, Where did he we go? Have, we keep putting search parties out. <laughs> that sounds stressful. But it's crazy how uh, you know much you know how much I have to do every day. But it's also because of that I get so much done. I really do. I mean, now, granted, at the end of the day, I'm like, fuck, I still have a whole hell of a lot to do, but I feel like I get more done when I'm stressed because I don't even think about anything else. I just put my nose down and go. So I guess in a way, I don't know if that's healthy, but it's, it's, I suppose it could be viewed as a positive just because I'm being pro- more productive maybe. At the end, in the, end, the end result is more productivity. So yeah, that's obvious. That's a positive, at least for your employment. <laughs> it's it's your a positive. It's a positive for production and for orders and keeping clients happy. It's maybe not great for my mental health, but you know, that's... Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I would say like that. I've had. I don't think the stress is like the benefit, but the because of the stress, I get a benefit. Like you know, so for for example. You know, like when you're a teenage boy and you first start talking to girls or boys or, you know, whatever your desires are. And, you know, it's like super stressful. And then, But then it's like you, you learn because I didn't want to feel that way. It's like I got better at listening and I got, you know, I think it like made me better in a lot of ways. Gave you more confident. I, Maybe you, you learned how to be more confident. Yeah, more confident. But also it, it just made me, you know, it, it like those stressors made me understand women in a way that if I hadn't had that, if, you know, if I just would have like hadn't had that part of my brain where I would have cared, I don't, I don't wait, think. Wait, wait, wait. Give me an example of how like talking to people or talking to women was a stress. I'd actually what like that, to what first hear mean? about how he thinks now that he understands women. Well, what, what I, I should say, I should say I understand that it's, it's more important to ask questions than to talk. It's, you know, so, so in other words, people want to be known and seen. It's not just women, but like just people in general, they, you know, they want to be known, seen, heard, and and so and I think th- that's what I mean by it's like I would and I, I can't think of it, but I would like talk to someone and I would you know I'd say something stupid and put my foot in my mouth or whatever and then so that was the stressful part yeah you know okay. and then and, I mean yeah and, I mean, I, so it's I, almost and like just, learning through adversity because of the stress that you caused right. yourself almost yeah yeah, yeah. 
you know, and and I think like and that ties into like shame and um, humiliation <laughs> being peed oh, on. Just, just <laughs> change. <laughs> episode is changing quickly. <laughs> That's no, but, I mean, but I think I think all, it's like I think we 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 as human beings, it's like oh, I don't want to feel bad, but but like bad feelings happen for a reason. That's sure. right. How we and learn. And they're, and they're letting us know something. So then it's like, do we learn from that or not? So I think in that sense, stress in my life has been like a huge teacher. So mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. It does. I, I've had some time. I remember, I remember when I worked at Jack in the Box, I was working the drive through <laughs> and it was so busy. Like we would have named Dropper. We, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Did you? Did I you Jack? I remember I worked at the drive-through at Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I we would have cameras through the parking lot, and I would see like the line of cars would be like out of the parking lot all the way down the street, and I was just thinking to myself, "This is the worst. Why did I make this decision to work here?" Uh, oh yeah, because I'm 16. But I would be. It would be a very stressful job. Because you'd have irate customers. Everyone that was working in the in the store was like super overwhelmed, and we were doing a million things at once. But I well, maybe if you hadn't the... gotten fired from the Six Flags, you wouldn't have had to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you thief. Okay, yeah. Do you know when I got fired from Six Flags? I was told never to come back. I was invited to never come back. You're invited to never come back. I did not know that. My God. And I've been back. And as a matter of fact, I hold a season pass. <laughs> so fuck you. Six Jokes Flags. on you, Six Flags. Yeah. Yeah, you took my money. Ha! Ha! You're still charging me through a quarantine, <laughs> but whatever. You're never going to open again. But I, I remember the stress and I hated it because it was so busy, but I rose to the occasion and Jack in the Box actually got a good employee out of me because mm-hmm. I didn't, I want, I was super efficient. And I did my job perfectly. That's kind of what I was saying. Like you almost become more focused on what you're doing because you don't, it's like when you're that busy and you're that stressed, you don't have time for other things to like, to worry about other things. So all you're doing at that moment is you're like just getting orders done and getting shit out and getting people their food and getting stuff taken care of. And you're not, you're not thinking about what you're going to do after work. You're not thinking about, you know, if, if, you're going to ask that girl out. You're not thinking about any of that stuff because you're so laser focused because everything's so fucking busy. And that's a good example. While the consequences of, you know, working a busy drive through line at Jack in the Box aren't life and death, but it's, that's a very good example of what you're bringing up for stressful situations that are kind of are consequences of life and death. You, it, you're, you physiologically are just laser beam focused, like you said, on, on, the stimulus, whatever is causing your stress to kind of save your own ass, much like the way a deer is looking, you know, stressed out when John Banks is coming in his cheetah suit. <laughs> I had to I had to grab a fidget spinner. It has nothing to do with me being stressed about the stressed episode. I swear to God. <laughs> I believe you. Do you ever have contagious stress like someone else's stress and then that stresses you out? Yeah, I think I think I do. I, I, I think. Well, actually, I don't know about that. I take it back because I think a lot of times if if like Sheena's super stressed, I go into help mode and she does the same thing with me. I feel like where if 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 I if if she's really, really stressed and I can tell she is, I go I like take my personal stress level down and I don't I don't feed off of her stress. I work my my job becomes how can I help her get through this and make her less stressed? You know, Mm -hmm. fidget spinner is stressing me out. (laughs) It is stressing me out a little bit too. 
But I, I like what you're, I was listening to what you're saying and I like what you're saying. I, I can relate to that because I go into problem solving mode. I'm prone to panic, right? Like if yeah. anything goes sideways, I'm the first one to shit the pants and like fucking doo-doo. <laughs> but if it's something that's happening to like a loved one, like my kids, I remember yeah. once I saw my neighbor, John, you know, George, and he was carrying Katie when she was maybe eight years old and she, blood was gushing out of her face. And for like one split second, I let myself panic, but then I calmed right the fuck down and I went right to panic, panic or uh, problem solving mode, I should say. And, um, you know, I assessed the, the damage and I kind of ad- administered first aid and took care of it. And I was pretty excited about the way I handled it in hindsight. Um, and it was much like the way <laughs> Jennifer once was choking on something and I had to give her the Heimlich. And I didn't panic even for a second. I knew I was going to be able to, to save her. <laughs> like, and if not, the, she had life insurance. You went into the kitchen. You grabbed some water. Yeah. You did some stretches. <laughs> you went in. I, you got to limber her up. Face. Yeah, gotta she wasn't lim- quite Got to limber up. You had, yeah. to, you had to make sure you finished that drink, too, because you don't want it to get watered down. <laughs> the ice. Exactly. And you want the alcohol gone for when the paramedics show up. Yeah, that's true. You don't want them to know what, how it all started. So, all right. Well, let's uh, let's get. John, did you on. have any? Uh, oh, sorry, John. Yeah, baby. Have any any? How do you, I mean? Do you, do you get stressed out? Does do other people? Do you feed off other but, people's stress? Uh, for the no, for the most part, I'm pretty. I, I think that's again. I think it depends. Uh, at work, my boss can definitely stress me out. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's stressed, like it, it feels like the whole place gets stressed. Yeah, I, uh, I could, I've definitely had that experience in the past at, at work before. No doubt. No doubt. But I think everybody I, can probably relate to that, yeah. But I think, it, you know, if it is a loved one, like if Courtney is getting stressed out, it's, I, you know, I, 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 don't, I think I'm kind of the same thing. Where it's like, you know, it's, it's like I love her, and, and it's like I have to, like there is that moment of like, ah, right? And then, and then I have to remind myself, like, right, this is not what this person needs. Right. And I'm actually, yeah. it's like I'm, I love them, and I don't want them to be stressed, but me getting stressed is not going to solve the problem. It doesn't help anything. Yeah, yeah. And, and on the flip side to that, I know people that they, like, they basically take on other people's stress. Where it's like, you know, you, if you tell them about something that's stressful going on in your life, it becomes stressful in their life. And I, I cannot imagine living that way. I feel bad for anybody who has that because that's a hell of a burden to take on. You know, instead of going into problem solving mode, they go into where they're constantly asking you how, if things got better or, or how are things going? Is, is it, you know, what happened when you, did you, did you, you know, take care of this problem? You know what I mean? Like in that, man, I can't imagine living like that. That would be awful. And yeah. oftentimes problem solving mode in order to help somebody can stress them out as well because sometimes people, when they're in the middle of like a crisis, they, they just need to process and vent. And if yeah, you're if you're Mister Fix It guy, and it seems like in our society or culture, men are prone to jumping on on solutions that are tangible and not necessarily emotional. And sometimes I've been resented for that. And I could after it's over, I can totally see why. It's Me too. No you know what needs... you ought to do. <laughs> That's like the worst thing <laughs> yeah. you ever said. Fuck you, Superman. First, start out yeah. get a crescent wrench, okay? <laughs> <laughs> What are you talking about? I'm having problems at work. <laughs> First, start with a crescent wrench. Right. It, and beat her to need... death with it. Yeah. 
if I was with that, that triggers stress within me because my dad sometimes would be working on shit. I think I told you the story on here where he'd ask for a crescent wrench and I was like, what the fuck is a crescent wrench? So I'd hand him like a hammer. And so like, you're such a fucking asshole. The fuck you don't know what a fucking crescent wrench is. You hand him like, you hand him like a cut out, like construction, like a piece of construction paper and a crescent moon. And you're like, here you go. <laughs> is this what you want? My, my, my dad, when we used to work on cars and when he used to work on cars when we were kids, he, he could get pretty stressed out and pretty temp. He'd get a pretty bad temper sometimes. And, and it's funny. It was funny because like we, both my brother and I, like we were trying to help him, you know, we didn't know how to react and stuff. And he'd be like, go get, go give me a Phillips screwdriver. And it was like, you know, this frantic, oh, okay, okay. Is and you run to the control <laughs> box and you're grabbing every screwdriver you could find and you run back. But I remember I used to tease my brother. Cause I remember there was one time, like we were much older, like he was in his thirties and I was watching him work on the car with my dad and he did the same thing. <laughs> like my dad was like, go grab it. Don't grab this out of the toolbox. And my brother did the same thing. He like jumped all stressed out and ran over. And I'm like, Oh boy, that left him. I don't know us. what to do. <laughs> I don't know how to do this. Besides, so uh, and I never had like a, a big breakthrough last night where um, every time we every time we try to put something together, like we try to put something together together, like penises um, and vaginas. Yes, yeah, no, no, like assembling <laughs> IKEA furniture, right, or something like that. <laughs> Same thing. You just gotta go step by step, baby. <laughs> you ever seen those drawings from IKEA? <laughs> I mean, they both require lube, so. Um, <laughs> You're not but, doing it right if it always requires lube. <laughs> which one? The, the sex or the IKEA furniture? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm right. not sure which one he's talking about. <laughs> but we, we figure, like, because the, we, we have such a different way of, like, so I will, I suppose, you know, because all that shit's the same, right? So you have those little, like, whatever you call those little brackets you put in that you twist and you have and the, little, the wooden you know, dolls. And yeah, yeah, that, you, yeah. So you just put all that shit together and then you figure out which pieces go where, right? But it's like, you know, but, <laughs> wait, wait a minute. How are you doing this? <laughs> so, no, no, but you know, like, you the always pictures, know. Just, you just look at the pictures, right? But what I, the way I do it is, I put all the all the hardware on, right? Because I know it's like I know like those little because like, you have the big hole and that's where those little push thing goes in. Yeah, that's where you turn them. And anyway, so I put it, I put all that stuff in, and this then like, I. This look is at a the metaphor picture. for his relationships, isn't it? This is I, why this doesn't work. Then I look at the picture. <laughs> he puts and then it in I a put hole. It together. He it. <laughs> so. <laughs> He puts his dowel on you know, I, I am never sitting on any of your furniture <laughs> you. I'm worried about my safety. <laughs> I'm worried about venereal disease. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the lube will definitely make the press board like come apart <laughs> over time. So uh, again, are hey, we talking about the IKEA furniture? <laughs> is, it, is it what you, you don't call your penis's press board? Um, <laughs> So anyway, anyway, we like we found, so we had this breakthrough last night where we realized like we just do we do things differently. So it's, so what she'll do is she'll, she'll like she'll read the directions and she'll be like, well, so what is this and what is it like? And I'm just trying to put this hardware in because I know it goes there, right? Like I know the hardware goes there, and then I'll look at the instructions. <laughs> I and figure out which. just keep thinking about sex, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, are you getting consent? We had a, we had are you getting consent from your idea so, furniture? <laughs> I want to know what the so basically, is, is the end result that you just kind of guys figured out that you have different approaches to it? Right, we have different approaches, and so it's actually. <laughs> and yes, again, Greg, talking about have, the furniture. <laughs> yes, okay. And sex. We approach both of those things differently. I want to just jump in there, and she needs to be like foreplay and emotions yeah, yeah. and stuff. And <laughs> you I just, just want to, you just want to get it over with so you can watch Netflix and <laughs> yeah. And yeah. she's like, she wants the furniture to be held. <laughs> 
Yeah, and you got and there's like the things you got to do to get the furniture warmed up. It's so it's such a process. <laughs> it really is an all day thing. <laughs> you got to start gotta, in the morning. I got to send the furniture flowers and do like romantic text, and it's just like I just want to fucking sit down. <laughs> I just want to sit down and eat Swedish meatballs, man. <laughs> You guys want to get back to Hans Zille? Oh, Zille? man. Zille? Well, I don't know if I can, but let's, let's try. Let's try. <laughs> uh, this is my favorite part about him. Did he work he, for Ikea? He did. <laughs> he began using the term stress after completing his medical training at the University of Montreal. Phoenix. Damn it. Oh, no. You know, you, you got to give us a minute to guess. <laughs> I like Montreal because that's where I'm from. And I definitely would not have guessed Montreal. No. <laughs> yeah, no. He noticed that no matter what his his hospitalized patients suffered from, they all had one thing in common. So no matter what they were in the hospital for, they all looked sick. In his view, they were all under stress. He proposed that stress was a nonspecific strain on the body caused by irregularities in normal body functions. This stress resulted in the release of stress hormones. Silly I'm sorry, this is, it's been a bit since we talked about him. What year was this again? 1946. Well, yeah, it, it, yes. And it, he started Damn, noticing it right, right after he graduated from medical drinking. school in the 1920s. Cellier <laughs> pioneered the field of stress research and provided convincing arguments that stress impacted health. So this is the first time anyone started thinking about that kind of stuff. Not all agreed with his physiological view of stress as a nonspecific phenomenon, though. So they, they also considered psychological stress, and uh, could these situations also be stressful? Many physicians, psychologists, and researchers thought so. So, so Hans was thinking that like only your kind of medical woes could be causes of physical stress, whereas other people started to believe that there was a psychological component to it. So this doctor named John Mason, he conducted this really cool experiment where he had a group of monkeys that were hungry and their stress levels would be high, especially if they were deprived of food. And then they had another group of monkeys that were hungry. And if they saw a third group of monkeys eating then that group of monkeys would get super high and agitated on stress because they were hungry and they were seeing other monkeys motherfucking they're they're they were eating and that's what they wanted so that rendered them like just beyond fucking stressed right and, like, and this proved what really now? upset so what this do, what this did was it proved that that was a psychological aspect to stress it wasn't just the physical discomfort of being hungry it's it's a psychological component by watching fellow monkeys fucking eating. I guess that just seems so obvious, but maybe it's just because we because well, it's twenty twenty one. It's it's because they were stressing stress. They were testing stress hormone levels. Oh, uh, okay, okay. So, yeah. Do you know that your like uh, your uh, your pets, your your cats and your dogs, uh, they, they will test. So, if your stress level, if your if your cord, is it cortisol? Cortisol? What is it? Yeah, cortisol. And I'll get into the physiological uh, chemicals as well in yeah, a few minutes. Yeah, when yes. your cortisol goes up, your pet's cortisol will go up and, and vice versa. You, uh, you actually can affect each other. I totally and, believe that. I mean, I, I know that, that like my dogs react to – if I get stressed and I yell fuck, if I'm doing a home project or something like that, they will get – they will both be alert and a lot of times run. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never, I've never hurt them one time in my life. But they, yeah, except they for get, emotionally, obviously, apparently, apparently. Well, they they also yell fuck 
So Yeah, they do. So there was another interesting study that they conducted with people that were going to parachute out of an airplane. And I'll kind of paraphrase it instead of reading it out to you. Now that sounds stressful. So, yeah, there was a group. So there's a group of experienced jumpers, the, the trainers that would be jumping with those first-time parachuters in the morning. Is it parachuters or parachutists? I don't know. But they determined pa- that... Parachutei. The people that... The people that... The, the experts... Parachway. <laughs> fung fung parachway. So they determined that the experts that even if they had like a thousand jumps, they experienced higher levels of stress the night before the jump. Whereas the first time people, the newbies, they didn't have a high stress level the night before. The morning of the jump, the experienced jumpers, they're they were totally calm and they had It's because the newbies had, knew they could still get out of it. Well, maybe. And then the newbies, but the newbies were high, so it kind of flip-flopped. So that was... that. Just You know, that probably has a lot to do with the fact that you're about to jump out of a fucking airplane. Yeah, they should measure my stress level right before I jumped, because it would really... (laughs) It would break records. They should measure my stress level just talking about it. Yeah. So... Yeah. This feels feels like a cheetah. (laughs) So... (laughs) I I just... Exactly. I, I just think it's interesting that they only started, like, it's probably things that were, like, common sense, but they only really just started it relatively recently. Yeah, that's the 40s. Is that, that's not that long ago. Yeah, so, so then they were saying, like, over the next 30 years, researchers conducted experiments showing that although the type of stressors resulting in the release of stress hormones are different for everyone, there are common elements to situations that elevate stress hormones in everyone. In essence... They discovered the recipe for stress, and it goes by the acronym NUTS. Wait. K? Nope. N- <laughs> U- okay. Nope. Okay. Nope, NUTS. <laughs> so uh, it, it represents novelty, unpredictability, threat to the ego, sense of control. So we're gonna get we're gonna get don't worry, I'm not gonna leave you hanging there. We're gonna get into more specifics about your nuts. We're gonna get into your nuts. We're gonna get right into your we nuts. We never got back into the stuff that I was asking about earlier. What was that? Can't remember. I don't remember either. There were three stages. Yeah. Three stages? Yeah. There Hold was on, three stages. Let's look and you back. said we, I asked if we were, I had a question about stage one. And then you said we're gonna get into that. And I said, Okay. And we never got back into it. Oh, that's, that's the that's the I think it was related to nuts. Hans. Hans Zil. I don't I don't I don't remember what specifically you were talking about, so I'm sure we're going to get into it. Mm, I'm not convinced. Okay. No, you don't have to I'm be convinced. A... I don't care. You're not going to stress me out, mister. So let's talk about your nuts. Let's, let's get to Hans Selye again for a minute. So his, and remember, okay, okay, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about his general adaption syndrome, the his gas. Gen- genital? And, genital adaption? That's, it, could, it could be genital. So this is where we're getting more specific about it. So I should have just kind of read ahead because this is what you asked for. Okay. So the alarm reaction, which is the first one, this is stage one. This is the immediate reaction to a stressor. In the initial phase of stress, humans exhibit a fight or flight response, which I'm sure you've heard of before. This stage takes energy away from other systems otherwise known, well, for example, the immune system, which increases our vulnerability to illness. So that's why people that are stressed frequently are prone to getting sick because their body is constantly in a fight-or-flight response and their immune system can't keep up. It's when you're calm that your immune system is strongest. 
Stage two. No, is no. Brisbane. Okay, so let's go back to stage one because that's what I wanted to talk about initially. Okay. I guess, I guess, like for me, I, I'm just I'm trying to understand how uh, the first sense of stress is fight or flight. How does that makes? How does that work? Are you okay. saying that if the, with sure. the first time if you're if you're stressed out about something, your first reaction is should I should I address this or should I run away from it? Yeah. So uh, I mean, is your because that's a, obviously that- often not an, not an option, you know. Um, from a stressful situation? Yeah, yeah. Say, some, say a cheetah is approaching you. Okay, well, I don't want to do this to John. <laughs> well, okay, so <laughs> say okay. a... Uh, a leopard. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, that's, a saber-toothed tiger okay. is approaching you. Okay. So you have a, a kind of a what stress response. What year is it? <laughs> it's like <laughs> 10,000 BC. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so a tiger is approaching me. Okay, so you're gonna have a fight or flight. That response. I totally get, but okay. what about more realistic stress? Okay, that's so, but, but it's the same physiological response. Yeah, is that what it but is? So, okay. Yeah. So your brain, yes. your brain doesn't, your brain doesn't know. Like your body is just a bunch of fucking chemicals. So your body is like, oh, right. And so for years of evolution, or you know, from Jesus creating you, whatever you want to believe. The, <laughs> <laughs> so the, I'm always surprised when John understands something. <laughs> <laughs> so, so your body's going to react to it as though it is a life-threatening event, and then so there it's fight, it's fight, flight, or freeze. Okay, well, let's just say this: like, the, like let's say that there's something that's more uh, common as far as stress goes. Let's say, say your boss, say your boss is moody and angry with you. Okay, that your 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 chemical reaction is still going to be the same as if a leopard comes through your office and wants to eat your face. So is the fight or flight? Either I stay and I, I get through this or I start looking for another job. Is that kind of the same? Is that the idea? Well, your fight or flight is the in, in the immediate, you want to avoid the stress. So, okay. So basically when your boss is coming down on you, you're thinking to yourself, okay, what do I do in response? And it could be fight, flight, or John said freeze. We've, we've talked about that. The classic definition of your response is fight or flight, but it, it is getting more common where there is that third option of freezing because it seems mm-hmm. like people do do those kinds of things. And that and that is something that happens in in even the most mundane things. And stress, don't forget, is so there's there's a physical stress and a psychological stress. So there might be a trigger for you, a psychological trigger trigger that you experience, or more more likely I experience because I'm prone to kind of stress things or anxiety, where it would be nothing to you. So it's subjective. These stressors can be subjective. It, right. I might not get wigged out if our boss yells at me, but he could say the same words to John, and he might say the wrong thing, and and it would really upset John. Okay. So it it could be very very subjective. And I and I think to, like th- think of it also. I, I think you're trying to think of it literally, right? The fight, fight, flight, fight or freeze. But so so think of it as that same example. Your boss comes at you, and so flight could be instead of you're not going to get up and run away but flight could be like no no that wasn't my job that was greg's job right so it's like mm-hmm. i'm i'm you went there quick john right well i mean it's, <laughs> <laughs> but so it's you know so it's like i'm i am it's not i'm not fighting with him i'm like i'm basically i'm fleeing 
from the responsibility. Okay, right? yeah, yeah. I see what and then, you're and then, you know, and then fight could you're be deflecting like, no, it or something, yeah. right? Okay. Like that's bullshit. Like, no, that's you know, I, I did that or whatever, and that could be me fighting. And then the freeze part could just be I could stare at my boss and look at him, you know, like a deer in the headlights. Mm-hmm. So okay, I get it. That that makes sense. So, yeah, so that that was actually right? when, earlier on when you mentioned this. That's kind of what I wanted. Clear. I was I kind of wanted clarity on because I couldn't quite put that together. But you guys, uh, you guys are are very very uh, intelligent. Well, I think we've both experienced an amazing amount of stress. <laughs> well, so, so have I. But I, I just, I, I guess, I, I was trying to think about how that would play into like everyday stress. You know, I mean, obviously, the the, the tiger example that's a that's a that's a very literal example of that. But I was trying to figure how it would play in. But that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, say flight, for example, flight doesn't have to be running away. Yeah. Say for example, you're working in an office and um, your job is to just get paperwork filed, and all of a sudden you're getting you're the you're running behind and for whatever reason your mind's somewhere else and you have a huge stack of things that you need to do and someone comes in and they give you an even larger stack and then a bigger stack and it's like boring and it's paperwork and it's not going to physically hurt you but your stress level is mounting because you know John's giving me paperwork to file and he never does and now like Phil's doing that to me too and that hint never God, happens Phil. but you Phil's such a dick Fucking he's always Phil. piling on when you not don't need it right not a fan but your your fight or flight, it's still stress, and your body is still going through the chemical reaction of a fight or flight. You could yell at Phil for fucking for giving you this shit for being so or Phil, you, or you could yeah, or you could leave and go get a taco, or you could make <laughs> out with Phil and teach Phil never to fuck with you again because you'll you'll kiss him right in the mouth. With wow, that again went there really quick. You don't, lot, you don't have a lot of confidence in your Phil kisses because <laughs> when I do that, he enjoys it, and well, okay. Okay. So clear, stage two. Clear. So stage one was alarm. Stage two is resistance. If alarm reactions continue, the body begins getting used to being in, being stressed. But this adaptation is not good for your health since energy is concentrated on stress reactions. Stage three, exhaustion. This is the final stage after a long-term exposure to a stressor. The body's resistance to stress is gradually reduced and collapses as the immune system becomes ineffective. In Selye's view, patients who experience long-term stress could succumb to heart attacks or severe infection due to their reduced resistance to illness. When a stressor is perceived and interpreted, the stress response system starts up a cascade of biological events. As a result, we release the stress hormones adrenaline and cortisol which John was talking about a moment ago. So if you bear with me just for a second, the stress response system is called the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access. After perceiving a stressor, a small area called the hypothalamus sends a chemical message to the the pituitary gland. From here, a new chemical message is sent out of the brain through our blood to the producers of stress hormones called the adrenal glands that sit on top of the kidneys. The message says secrete cortisol. So I'm going to give you an example that we kind of touched on and it'll, it'll kind of show you what's happening to you. If your boss gives you negative feedback about doing about something you've done, then you will stop doing it. The same applies here. Negative feedback from cortisol and its receptors stops the stress release system dead in its tracks. In order to do their job, stress hormones have to bind to receptors. Think of it this way. Stress hormones carry a message that tells cells in the body what they need to do, but something has to receive that message before the orders contained in the message can be carried out. 
The message receivers in this case are the stress hormone receptors. When cortisol attaches to its receptors, it can then interact with other cells to get their job done. Since cortisol is needed for many biological functions, it has receptors almost everywhere in the body, including the brain. If you need a, so if, for example, if you need a fast supply of energy to fuel your muscles and then run, then priority will be given to the receptors in your leg muscles. So interpreting a stressor gets the stress system started and then what stops it. So what I was going to talk about and the whole reason this actually touches upon the whole reason why I wanted to do the stress response is because when I was, you know, my long boring story about anxiety and panic attacks and all that. Mm. I felt as, I felt as very boring too. It was very Mm. boring. I felt as though my adrenal glands were in overdrive and I felt like no matter what, I couldn't turn this off. And no matter how much I tried, I would try like John was talking about before about meditation therapy, all of this shit. I could not turn off my adrenal glands. So I wanted to know what the fuck, why was I constantly being, pump full of adrenaline, which was what was causing, which was what my number one symptom of my panic attacks were. So that's why I kind of wanted to jump into stress and see what's going on, you know, physiologically, because I knew what was going on psychologically. I'm fucking crazy. Well, I'm glad that we can be here to help you work through this. Me too. I was afraid we weren't going to get to talk about you tonight. (laughs) Was that causing stress? Uh, It was. (laughs) This is the thought of not being able to talk about Greg. Yeah, but here we are again. So we're going to talk about nuts, of course. Uh, The N in nuts stands for novelty, something new you have not experienced before. So this is the example that I found for that is you must learn a new computer software program from scratch, and it completely changes your work habits. Or you could be expecting your first child. When faced with or anticipating a situation... Like very, two very different levels. But. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. are. They are. You, you, you kind of nailed that. But I mean, these, but these are examples of things that are new you and that can potentially trigger stress. You could be for the first time. You could. And if you're making it for yourself, there's probably no stress level. But if you promise your grandma you're going to make her a pie when she came over to visit, you could be facing some, some, a stressor. Especially if your grandma is very good at making pies. Right. Or, or diabetic. Well, are we trying to kill grandma here? I don't understand. I mean, it's a different kind of stress. You're like, why did I tell her I was going to bake her a pie? This is going to kill her. So then do you just, do you make like a pot pie? Like, how do you handle that? <laughs> you sweeten low. So. Splenda. Stevia. Agave. 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 <laughs> Agave. So when faced with or anticipating a situation that is either novel, unpredictable, threatens our ego, or lowers our sense of control, we all secre- secrete stress hormones. So the next, the next letter in nuts is U, and that stands for unpredictability. Mm. Something you had no way of knowing would like happen. Traffic. For example, you learn that daycare workers and teachers will go on strike, but you have no clue when. Or you have a moody boss with new demands every day, John Banks. Mm-hmm. You actually bring up the boss thing a lot. So, Yeah, that's right. Does he listen to this? Nope. Okay, no. Well, maybe. <laughs> no. The teen nuts is threats to ego. That's a threat to your competence as a person. If it's called in a question. 
which is actually a big trigger for me, if I'm being honest. So an example of that is a new employee keeps asking you why you do things a certain way as if they're doubting your methods. Or you're meeting your child's teacher who asks you how much time you spend helping your child with homework. Right? Oh, that yeah, could be something, something that... you want to hear. Yeah, threatens and your you, ego. And then you respond with, what's homework? <sighs> you respond with, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> how hey. much time do you spend being a <laughs> shitty teacher that puts all of it on me? <laughs> Maybe if you were better at your job, I wouldn't have to help him with his homework. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be smart enough to do it on his own. <laughs> Those are all things I've said to my kids' <laughs> teachers. <laughs> Have you heard about nuts? <laughs> I don't mean the stress. Nuts. I don't mean the stress acumen, ac, ac, acronym. I mean I, I want to see my nuts. nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's why Mr. Mitchell can no longer go to the school meetings. <laughs> that's that is why Jen goes to the parent teacher conferences. <laughs> yeah, all true. The S from nuts stands for stands secretion. <laughs> Seminal fluid. <laughs> nope, doesn't. It stands for why, sense of control. Why are we fucking fourteen years old? Seriously, <laughs> like I, I'm never gonna. It's never not gonna be funny. <laughs> we to stand me. here and we like know. we talk I, before we talk before the podcast starts. And we go, how do we increase our download numbers? <laughs> maybe maybe Seminal we should fluid. act like adults and then we'll increase our download numbers. Yeah. There's probably not a huge demographic of 13-year-olds listening. <laughs> <laughs> listening to 40 and 50-year-olds talk about life. Fuck, that is a small demo. <laughs> okay, so the S in nuts is sense of control. You feel you have little or no control over the situation. So, for example, you're in a hurry to get to an important meeting, and you get caught in a huge traffic jam. You know, that powerless feeling. Or your child is diagnosed with a serious illness that leaves you powerless to help or ease his or her suffering. Those are all very helpless feelings that can weigh really heavily on you on, on stress. I, you know, I got to say for, for me and the, the novelty part that, that I don't really get stressed out by new things. But man, the, the E, the Uts, <laughs> the E, the T and yeah. the S the, I, but, and probably probably the S. I believe it's name. a U, a T and an S, but whatever. What did I say? I think you said Nets. No, I said Uts. The Uts. No, sure he said ETS. No, 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 he didn't. He said Uts. Okay. Good job, John. Fuck you, Kevin. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> yes. I'm going to edit it together so I'm right. Just so you know. <laughs> okay, it's going to be my so voice. All of a sudden, it'll use... be like Nets. <laughs> <laughs> like a really badly dubbed movie. <laughs> really bad dubbed in. <laughs> nope, nope. I'm right. I'm right. See? See? <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a break so Kevin can edit. <laughs> The battleground this election is Georgia. We got to fight like we've never fought before. A historic rematch for governor. Democracy only works when we work for it. In control of the Senate. It is time for me to get out and fight. Will all be decided here. Welcome to the blue Georgia. Know what's really going on with the Politically Georgia podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We were there before all this media attention. Our team of journalists are the authority on the campaign trail. The results will have implications for years to come. Politically Georgia, hosted by AJC Political insiders Greg Bluestein and Patricia Murphy. Follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, guys, we're back. So, what have we done so far? We've identified the stress problem, and fuck you if you thought I'd leave you without solutions. 
Because everyone knows that stress <laughs> without solutions is just more stress. That's I think true. you're causing stress right now. Yeah, you're yeah. definitely your, your tone is causing stress. Being very aggressive. I think that's a threat to ego. I'm doing that purposely. <laughs> you're threatening my nuts. <laughs> now we're going to talk about solutions. Coping mechanisms. Guys. Alcohol, weed. This is important. Honestly, I'm glad you brought those up because true. I'm going to talk Othium. about I'm going to talk about things like that too. Dude, I I, I, man, there's so many times where I'm like, all right, you know, so Monday I'm like, boy, I, I, I drank a fair amount over the weekend, you know, so I, I'm taking Monday off and I have a crazy stressful day and I get home and I'm like, I look at Sheena, I'm like, you want a beer? She's like, sure. And I'm like, and then it starts. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's crazy how often that happens. And I'm not, I'm not happy that that's my go-to, but it's definitely a go-to. And you look at Elwood and you're like, Elwood beer. And he's like, uh-huh. and, and he's just like, Aah. I'm like, I take that as a yes. <laughs> Elwin's got a, like a bottle opener in his diaper. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, honestly, it's, I'm not saying that I, I get hammered. I mean, maybe there, at one time in my life I, I did that to cope with stress. Nowadays, I can't. But definitely a couple beers. Like it, and it, but it's like my first, it's like the first thing I want, you know, is, is to grab a couple beers. Well, that's not, that's, that's not a good thing. <laughs> no, mean, but again, again, I do feel like I, I, I'm not. Does it work? It does absolutely because it go. I go from coming home all stressed out to I have I just have a beer and then I'm we're, we put on we put on some music and we make some dinner and we're lighter and goofing around with Elwood and joking around with Sheena and it definitely it definitely works yeah. Well, we're gonna go over um, what that is classified as in a moment. Uh, is it is as, it masking pain? Because that's how I assume it is. It's, it's not good. <laughs> poor, poor Elwood is going to no, think that all good. adult males smell like beer. <laughs> and he's going to think that any situation is made better by alcohol. So, and... Why is I that mean, bad? Why is that bad? Why is that wrong? Yeah. I, well, I mean... It's called capitalism, you goddamn communist. It's not for me to say. <laughs> Is it capitalism? I mean, you buy alcohol. <laughs> so, I mean, okay. It is a good or service or product that you're, you're purchasing. In case you were, uh, you know, you learned English as a second language, coping refers to the thoughts and actions we use to deal with the threatening situations. Psychologists Richard Lazarus and Susan Falkman scientifically define coping as the sum of cognitive and behavioral efforts, which are constantly changing. That aim to handle particular demands, whether internal or external, that are viewed as taxing or demanding. Simply put, coping is an activity we do to seek and apply solutions to stressful situations or problems that emerge because of our stressors. Actually, the term coping is more associated with reactive coping, because in general, we see coping as a response to a stressor. On the other hand, there's also what we call proactive coping, wherein the coping response is aimed at preventing a possible encounter with a future stressor. So basically, if you're really good at coping, you can see something coming down the road and and figure out ways and strategies to avoid it so you never have to deal with the actual stress to begin with. But is that so coping, though? That's just avoidance. That's avoiding. I don't know that I would call no, that coping. No, no, it's avoiding. It's an avoiding a stressful situation. It's not avoiding. Because, say, for example, um, like a lack of planning causes chaos in your life for some stupid reason. It, it's just like packing for a trip, you know, a day before you leave as opposed to 30 seconds before you leave. It's not avoiding the stress. It's preparing. 
I do that. But I don't know that I'd call that coping, though. Coping feels like something you have to do after the stress is already present. You're spl- you're splitting hairs, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm not splitting hairs. It's either right. Or- no, you're you're wrong. I think that's it's proactive coping. I don't know. It's just uh, the example that it's using is it kind of it makes sense to me. Maybe maybe coping isn't the right term for that, but maybe it's more just like proactive. A, just being proactive yeah, to avoid just, stress. So fine. So I guess technically you're right, Kevin. But I, I'm not. Man. I'm not splitting hairs. I'm being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> He's, well, he's doing a distinction. podcast. <laughs> By definition, I don't think it's possible. Could you, you know what we should try and do? Remember how we did the swear jar episode? I think we should try and do an episode where we're all nice to each other. Why? That sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> sounds impossible. Yeah. Hey, true. Greg, please hmm. continue and enlighten okay. us on this topic. Here, here I go. Two different coping strategies. Problem-focused strategy. This strategy relies on using active ways to directly tackle the situation that caused the stress. You must concentrate on the problem. So here are some examples. Analyze the situation. Example, pay attention. Avoid taking on more responsibility than you can manage. Second one is working harder. An example of that is stay up all night to study for an exam. So there's, I'm not going to belabor you with all of these, these ways of coping, but there's... Does it help pl- sometimes to stop, collaborate, and listen? Uh, every time. Okay. Just really... Only when I suspect with a brand new edition, though. Something grabs a hold of me tightly. If you talk to friends, that's a good... Something about a harpoon, a good coping no, daily and lesson. nightly. Harpoon. <laughs> I don't remember what it is. Harpoon, daily and nightly. I get to <laughs> Well, there was I can shot the, the harpoon <laughs> daily and nightly. Am I a whale? I don't know. <laughs> so strategies for coping. It's, coping is a very complex process that varies according to many variables, such as the situation, the you're evaluation. You're it sound like this part's not important. I feel like this is what people really want to hear about. It is, but you're talking about being harpooned, and that's confusing me. So no, you can it. be positive. That you wouldn't be. You'd be surprised how much that helps if you're positive. I 100% agree with that statement. And yeah, I know it too. sounds so it's fucking corny. annoying corny. to anybody yep. who is doesn't do that. But man, we've talked about in this podcast before. When you are negative all the time, neg- you know, things will affect you far worse every single time. Thank you for backing up that point. I I'm just think I I think it's an underrated it it seems it's so it seems so stupid. And so obvious, but it's kind of like I don't think enough people realize the power of and, it. And and it is a choice. Just yeah, like just just well, we've easily, talked about that. Yep. Many, many people's many people's default mode is to go to negative negativity. Well, and I th- I think right. I think uh, uh, I know we we rail on religion a lot on on this show, uh, but but I will s- say no 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 joke here. You know, I, I think that's one reason people who are very religious or devout or even you know, when they pray. Right, it's like you're you're not praying. Well, I don't think people are praying for horrible things. When you're praying, you're praying for like good things, right? And and I oh hope. god, I hope he dies. <laughs> well, so, yeah. yeah, I was just gonna say. So far, John's not dead, so it's not working. <laughs> I said most people, you know. So, but I, I think that's kind of just like kind of proof of what you're talking about. It's like you know, like r- religious people tend to be less stressed and a lot a lot happier. The the ones that I know, right, and th- yeah. that dri- drives me insane. <laughs> so. 
but yeah, I think it's also, you know, when you, you know, you can go bigger picture with that. And when you're religious, you believe that God controls things and you believe you're going to heaven when you die. And when you don't believe in that, like us, death is bleak. <laughs> it's really bleak. Well, but, but that's like, but that's what the, the positive part, right? It's like, so no matter what, right? Like the worst, end is always going to be good. Worst scenario, <laughs> you're still getting an attorney in heaven, yeah. right? You're, st- you're still getting bliss forever. You know, and that's, I mean, as long as you go to confession, so you can absolve yourself of all your sins. Well, um, yeah. That's a key tenet. So I think we want to, all three of us should go do uh, an episode from the confessional. Oh my God, that'd be the best episode ever. We got to figure out a way to do that. HDI HDI on location. (laughs) (laughs) Let's continue on with this list of, of positive things that we can do. So you can take an objective view of whatever it is that's stressing you out. And this is something that I can relate to. Like when I was younger, I'll give you an example. I would, I remember going on road trips. I would go visit my brother when he was living in the Bay Area. And the only thing I would think about was getting there and driving. And it was like a five-hour drive. How, and I wanted, how, old are you, like, how old are you in this scenario? I was in my early 20s. Oh, okay. And, okay. So you were driving. Was, you were the one driving. He was in law school. And I was the one driving. Okay. And I would go there. And I, I just remember going, I got to get there, I got to get there, I got to get there, I got to get there. And if, if there's a slowdown, I'd be all pissed off. But like, I was going to see my brother, which was a fun thing I wanted to do. And it was going to spend like two or three or four days there and have fun. So why am I driving myself crazy trying to just, just being stressed about getting there? Well, well, same example could be used for, for Thanksgiving. If you're hosting a Thanksgiving and you've got like major family members of coming over, there's stress. There's so much stress to get the turkey right and everything. Nobody gives a shit when you're planning a wedding, whatever you're doing. Yeah. It's like all of these big events that we have in life that are so important. And, she might get and, mad at me for saying this, but but Sheena gets very stressed when we have when we host holidays or have a lot of company over. And I'm more like just the, eh, everything's going to be fine. and Because it, it always is, right? It always just works out. Um, even even accidents or mistakes. Yeah, it's fine. Things. It's not a big. It's never a big deal. But you know, I think, I think it's hard because a lot in that scenario. You know, and I can I can definitely say this about Sheena is that she wants everything to be perfect. She wants everybody to have the perfect Thanksgiving and the perfect Christmas or the the perfect barbecue, whatever it is. She wants every aspect to be perfect, and it's not like a it's not like an, an OCD thing. It's more just like a I wanting to give everybody a great experience kind of thing, and. It's hard. Like when you put that pressure on yourself, it's hard. And, but you're 100% right, Greg. The end result is seeing friends, seeing family, having a good time, having a great meal, enjoying company. And it's, sometimes it's hard to keep that in perspective. Yeah, and we all have that one relative or friend that's like super judgy and we worry about them talking about yep. what a shit show it, it was. Right. And the stress that she makes experiences, it's just, I, I felt that too. I feel that way when I'm hosting just friends over because... I don't want them to think, oh shit, there's not enough food here. Like that's a huge thing for me when I'm hosting, right? And that yeah, us too. And that's stressed. why we end up with food enough to feed like 2,500 yeah, people. <laughs> so stupid. Yeah. Because the people that are going to talk shit about you, fuck them anyway. Yeah, <laughs> you're not going to invite them. So if we communicate, that's obviously a good way to handle stress. Vent to friends, all that good stuff. Um, you can accept yourself for how you are. Deal effectively mm. with mistakes deal effectively with successes, develop self-discipline and control, and maintenance is important. So you can kind of reinforce all of your positive habits and, and good stuff like that. Self-discipline just in, 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 in just taking care of yourself kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely, I, I feel this, I feel that that's 
I noticed like I, I'm pretty I'm pretty disciplined as a general rule. Like if I'm in a on a roll, I think we've I've talked about this with you guys before. Like if I'm on a roll, I will run three days a week. I will lift weights. I will stretch in the morning. I will do all the good things that 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 make me feel good physically. And man, when I'm on those rolls, I definitely definitely notice my my things that might cause me stress don't cause me stress nearly as much yeah i I agree because your baseline is lower like your your calmness level is lower and that's where things like where meditation come in and help you because they naturally lower all of your stress levels and you're you're used to dealing with uh anxious or or difficult have you guys had success with meditation? I know, Greg, you said it didn't really work for your anxiety, but have you had sex success with it in other areas? Well, I should say it didn't work with it overall, but since since I got it under control chemically, yes, yes, meditation has helped dramatically. Cause I so you're saying medica- meditation helps as long as you got the drugs? Yeah. Okay. I was just curious. I, I think uh, we, one, Oh, go ahead, Greg. Sorry. I was just going to say I think meditation or medication took care of probably... 90% of my issues and then things like exercise and um, you know meditation all of those self-help things therapy probably took care of the other 10% as best I, as possible I find a really good coping mechanism for me is like if I'm stressed about something that I cannot control so for example in LA I'm sitting in traffic right and I just want to be home I've been in the car for an hour and it's going to be another half hour before I get home I, I like to remind myself that this does not matter, right? Like, this is not a big deal. I am healthy. Everyone I love is doing well. In the grand scheme of things kind of thing? Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, like this really, it's like, yeah, it's like I, I want to be home, but it's like, you know, it's like I'm, I'm sitting... It's not. I'm not riding on a horse, <laughs> you know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being chased by bandits. Right. Exactly. No one's. I'm not going across a country where people are trying to kill me. I'm literally just sitting on a freeway with a bunch of other people who all are just kind of all stuck in their little pods with our radios and our you know audio books and all this stuff. So I'm just like listening really to some really, shitty podcast. Yeah, listening to some fucking history defeats. It's self bullshit. Anyway, you know, and so that that really does help me when I think of life in those terms if i start getting stressed even at work like anything like if, if i can catch it if, all the, if i start feeling it all of a sudden I'm just like you know what like it, this really doesn't matter i'll say that right. i i can do that sometimes but definitely not all the time are you able to do that most all or most of the time able to keep that into perspective because i think that it depends on where i'm at if, mentally if i catch it early ah, right okay. so so if yeah. i'm if i let myself go for 30 minutes being pissed about traffic i'm not you're, you're too myself. far gone, right? But if yeah. I but if I start to, if I start getting that like tense feeling, I'm just say, like, hey, well, you know what, this doesn't matter. Like it's just yeah. it's not it's not a big deal, right? It's just yeah. it's just not a big deal. So it's like if I if I gotta if I if I shit my pants in the car because I'm not gonna make it home. <laughs> I mean, it's embarrassing, right? But it's fine, you know. Well, is it, is it embarrassing though? Because <laughs> honestly, if, you could probably make it in without anybody noticing. I have to go up an elevator. <laughs> so, okay, that's less ideal. Less yeah. ideal. People are definitely gonna know I shit my pants. Is there no staircase you could yeah, take? I mean, there is, but it's also you. I have the building I live in. You have to valet, so the valet guys are gonna know I shit my pants, right? <laughs> <laughs> so. And then, I have to go, and then if time. I go up the stairwell, right, that's fine. Yep. I go up the stairwell, miss all the people in the elevator. Then I got to, like, walk down a really long hall where there's a bunch yeah. of people who could be in or out of their door. So it's like somebody's going to know I shit my pants. Also, you know, if you're still having problems, the stair is not ideal. Because, like, <laughs> just that motion, you know, like, just, you might just yeah. keep coming. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So moving on, <laughs> everything we, we talked about before, <laughs> these wonderful examples were adaptive 
coping strategies. And there's something considered maladaptive coping strategies, which Kevin t- touched on earlier, such as alcohol. So if you need an unsober brain to deal with stress, for very obvious reasons, it's probably not the best strategy. Why is that? But it's got to be. I mean, but I I get not all the time, but like sometimes it is nice just to be like, "Ah, I just don't want to deal with life right now. As an occasional escape, sure, 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 sure. But if that's how you're handling all of your stresses... Like, for example, say you're married and your wife is always bearing down on you and, like, the only way you can deal with not walking out the door is by just drinking all the time. Then that's okay, yeah. not a good thing. No, no, There's also right, right. avoidance. If you're, say, if, if you're a new father, like, when I remember when my kids were smaller, when they were babies and there was the diaper changing and the crying and all this stress and pressure there, I mean, there's a, a lot of young fathers that I know that would spend an entire Sunday golfing. Uh, so yeah. they would avoid what's going on and, and giving more responsibilities to the moms. And it's just, it can turn into kind of a nightmare. So there's like, there's a lot of unhealthy. There's a little, there's a little uh, uh, ledge on the back of the golf cart. You can put the baby. <laughs> yeah. Is that pro, what it's Pro for? tip. Pro tip. Yeah. Man, I, man. I think, I think you're right. And right, and next, right next to the cooler. <laughs> a baby cooler? <laughs> No, you don't want to do that. No, no, that's probably not good. I mean, if it's really hot. (laughs) It's a hot day. It's it's, it's fine. It's 100 degrees. Put the baby in the beer cooler. He can breathe. Yeah. So further, (laughs) there are a lot of maladaptive ways to... They could be temporarily effective for dealing, coping with stress, but in the long run, they're probably not great. I mean... Well, to be clear, too, like I'm talking about just a stressful day. I'm not talking about a larger... A larger stressor that I think it's needs when it to turns be into habits. When it turns yeah. into habits and well, avoidance. I'm also, I'm also saying yes. like it's not something that I'm avoiding necessarily. It's more something that's like I don't have to deal with anymore because the day is done. That's right. You're safe. And you're at I'm home. just like I just want to forget about the day and just crack a beer, crack a couple beers, and you know sometimes drink till like I go go completely black. You know, out. You know drink yeah. a bottle of tequila and right. you know I, I you know punch a hole in a wall like whatever. Right. So but I think no, that, or, regret tomorrow. But, or, yeah. <laughs> or to what you said, John, I mean, sometimes just smoke a bowl, just anything, whatever, whatever it is. Like, sometimes it's nice just to be like, you know what? I'm going to forget about this shitty day and, and start fresh tomorrow with a hangover. That's like, that's like moderation. It's like any, any vice we have, right? right. If it's moderation, right. you're fine. And that's TV, right? Like, no, that's sometimes true. That's true. just want to come home yeah. and just like, I'm just going to, I mean, and that's, I think that's why people, you know, it's, watch sports, watch whatever, you know, it's like, it's like 100%. Decompress. Yeah, yeah, I, I I totally agree. I and I know I know John, you do, you dislike sports a lot, but that that is definitely uh, a decompressed for me, and I'm sure for Greg too. Like that, there is definitely that. And you know, some people it's reality TV, and some people it's uh, you know Netflix. Some people it's Game of Thrones. Whatever it is that you you know there there's there's I definitely decompress really well while while watching a game because I don't have to think too hard about it. You know, I like mm-hmm. I like to I like to come home and make a list of people I hate. That really helps relieve my stress. Well, you get it on paper. So yeah. now you get now you yeah. have targets. Yeah. Well, is it, what is is it is basically that, just Kevin and Greg just over and over again, or are there well, other I mean, people? I, on there? I, I like swap the names around, so I'm like Kevin Greg? Mitchell, <laughs> Greg Rosenquist, Gre- Gregers, Kevy, Kev, <laughs> K K Row, you know, shit like that. And then and then what I like to do is I like to wad up the paper and then burn it, <laughs> right? And that really helps ceremoniously release. in your backyard. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do you chant? Do you? Do you I, like do. It? I do. I do. Time, motherfuckers. One of you's a Jew. 
<laughs> it's like so, that Gregorian Gregorian chant that got big back in the nineties. <laughs> it's like to like it's like to like trip hop beats. <laughs> or it's like Enya. <laughs> All right, so I I guess you guys get the picture. Let's get to fucking last call. So in a nutshell, the coping mechanisms were were. Um, I think you mean I think you mean in a nuts shell. Yeah, in a nutshell. Yes, ton. I love puns. I'm a big pun guy. Even before I became a dad. My, <laughs> my nine-banded whiskey. What? Nine-banded whiskey from Austin, Texas. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you can send me a case, and I will drink it with a smile. I am drinking you know, swear tape tequila, which uh, is a client of ours, so I get I get a lot of it. So here you go. Mazel tov. Cheers, John. What are you drinking, buddy? I'm drinking little, nothing. I'm out of water. H2O. All right, guys. Last call. It's so important to manage your stress before it wreaks havoc and spirals out of control. Stress is like a double-pronged dildo because it affects your mental and physical health. (laughs) That 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 went a different direction than I was expecting. (laughs) Yeah. I feel dirty. And when it comes to stress, we all experience it. Life is beautiful and stressful at the same time. Speed bumps along the road are what make our successes that much sweeter. I believe that by identifying sources of stress as well as ways to heal, we have not defeated ourselves. We, as a society, are placing higher value on our well-being, and unlike past generations, we're not ignoring the damage that unhealed wounds can inflict. I mentioned during my last call, my last last call, in the bowling episode, that there is enough pressure in our lives from Mother Earth and Mother Nature. So, you know, we have all that. So why do we need to kind of put the weight of the world on our shoulders and create our own stress or create stress for others? So as we close out this episode, I ask that on our quest to go out and make history, we do, we do so by, being, by doing no harm and by being kind to one another.